بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على المبعوث رحمة للعالمين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد قال الله تبارك وتعالى في القرآن المجيد والفرقان الحميد كما أرسلنا فيكم رسولا منكم يتلو عليكم آياتنا ويزكيكم ويعلمكم الكتاب والحكمة ويعلمكم ما لم تكونوا تعلمون صدق الله العظيم One very important subject has been regarding bringing up children in Islam and I'm sure you've heard probably lectures about it lectures have been done about it as well I wrote a book on marriage um, with after about 20 years of experience with marriage personally and with dealing with other people's marriage so people have been saying you need to write a book on bringing up children I'm scared to write a book on children because I'm waiting for my elders to get married before I can say that I've been successful because generally people think they've been successful if they can get their children married and happily married and then they're stable and then think Alhamdulillah. Right? That's what people think. You get all of these calls from people, I've got a daughter, she's not married yet, make dua, make dua. Right? It's a big responsibility. People recognize that which is good, Alhamdulillah. There's other cultures where you become 18 and you leave home, then it's up to you. Whether you get married or not married or then it's all. But alhamdulillah, the Muslim community, this is very important for us. There's a few things that we need to keep in mind when bringing up children and what we need to instill in these children. The first thing is that we need to try to get the children as they're growing up to be focused on the right thing, to have the right kind of mindset, to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, try their best to uh, avoid sins, and that should be within their heart. They may make mistakes, they may slip up, but that should be in their hearts. They must have a concept of right and wrong. Number two, the second thing is that they must have akhlaq and character in the way they behave and in the way they speak. So to avoid bad language and bad behavior, making strange faces, uh, joking too much or being too critical and the various different things that could come about. Now, the only way, the best way to get them to have the best akhlaq is for us to be able to try to rectify ourselves. Because the one category of people that learn by emulation and by seeing someone and by following our children. They actually learn more by seeing than they, le than they learn by what they hear. After Tarawih, we were praying, we were performing Tarawih, and after Tarawih, we do a dua. Sometimes the dua can be a bit long. So I moved a bit back, and I, le I leaned against the sofa. And immediately, my son who's next to me, who generally doesn't do that, he also does the same thing. Now, I can tell him I'm old, so maybe it's okay for me, and you shouldn't do it, but it sounds a bit hypocritical. So then what I did was, I moved a bit forward, and stayed like that to the best of my ability and then told him to move forward as well. Otherwise it's very difficult. A lot of people have this issue where they tell their children to do something. But they don't want to do it themselves. And somehow in their mind they can do tarbiyah that way. But they can be on a different level and 
the children, they will expect a higher level. It's very difficult. Because for, for children, the parents are everything. Right? It's everything, subhanAllah. So it's very difficult. Number three, that the child is, has compassion for others. So to remove selfishness, to get them to assist others, to be concerned about others. And again, the only way that's going to happen is if we show that concern for others. If we're donating, tell the children, you know when we donate, tell the children that we should donate. Look at this, what's going on, we're going to donate this money. Give them something saying, you donate as well. Um, give them the money to donate in the masjid, for example, when you're going out. Give them the money to go and give some food to someone. That's the only way we can teach them that as well. So what I want to do for the next two days is I want to look at this purely from the Qur'an. What does the Qur'an say about bringing up children? So just relevant verses of the Qur'an, that's all I want to deal with. We'll then, in the future sometime, we'll discuss the hadiths. But here is just from the Qur'an. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whenever He's mentioned regarding bringing up children. When you're talking about bringing up children, the wording in Arabic, the wording in Arabic is, the word they use is tarbiyah. They use a few words. One is tarbiyah, another one is tazkiyah. So, tarbiyah comes from the concept of, you know, Rabbul Alameen, Rabb. That's also from tarbiyah because the Rabb is the one who does tarbiyah. And tarbiyah essentially means to get something to reach the completeness or perfection that is required stage by stage. So, if you're going to plant a seed, you need to plant it in the right kind of soil, give the right kind of fertilization, give the water, when it sprouts up and it emerges, then you look after it, you water it, you prune it until it reaches the tree that you want it to reach. What you've just done is tarbiyah. That's what you call tarbiyah. Now the same thing, if you imagine our children as seeds that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us and we let them grow, we see to them, we make sure they grow properly. Any person who has a, a garden in which he's got maybe good plants, but then he doesn't look after it, and there's weeds that suddenly start emerging. There's those weeds, they eventually kill, they kill the good plants and flowers. So likewise, we can't leave our children to just grow up like weeds. There needs to be proper tarbiyah that's done to get them to the right place. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Shu'ara, Alam nurabbika, the, the, the concept of tarbiyah is used for Pharaoh, where Pharaoh, when Musa salam went to him afterwards, remember Pharaoh had been, Pharaoh had looked after or allowed Musa salam to be brought up in the palace. After that, I don't want to repeat the whole story, the, Musa salam was found and brought up in the Pharaoh's palace and he was the enemy that he'd been uh, warned against but he didn't realize. So now, Musa salam then went to Madian, and then he finally came back and he was told to free the Bani Israel. So when he went to Pharaoh, Pharaoh said to him, Alam nurabbika fina walidan wala fina min umurika sinin. So he uses the word Alam nurabbika fina. Didn't we do your tarbiyah among us? So Ibn Kathir says here, Aren't you the one that we looked after and nurtured 
in our home, uh, in our family, uh, using our food, using our lodging and everything like that for so many years. So that's where you get the concept of tarbiyah to look up. So bringing up children is not a one-day job. It's not the conjugal relationship act and then you produce a child and expect it to grow up. It's not bearing the child, but it's actually then making that child into a man or a woman in a human being. That's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's why. The concept of tarbiyah is explained in another verse in Surah Al-Baqarah. Now, another word that's used instead of tarbiyah is tazkiyah. Tazkiyah means purification, really. From zakat means purification. You know, that's why when we give our money, it purifies us and it purifies our wealth. There's a hadith in Sahih Muslim which says that zakat is the dirt of the wealth of people. That's why how can you use zakat for building a masjid? There's, there's unfortunately, there are some organizations that say, give us your zakat money. We'll do da'wah with it, with the dirt of the money of people. It's for the poor. It's to create the balance with the poor and wealthy. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Surah Al-Baqarah, verse 151, كَمَا أَرْسَلْنَا فِيكُمْ رَسُولًا مِّنْكُمْ يَتْلُوْ عَلَيْكُمْ آيَاتِنَا وَيُزَكِّيكُمْ وَيُعَلِّمُكُمُ الْكِتَابَ وَالْحِكْمَةِ وَيُعَلِّمُكُمْ مَا لَمْ تَكُونُوا تَعْلَمُونَ Just as we sent among you a messenger from among you who recites our verses to you, the Prophet ﷺ recited the verses, وَيُزَكِّيكُمْ and he purifies you, he nurtures you. And he teaches you the book and the wisdom. And he teaches you that which you did not know. That gives us an idea. So purify means, which is very relevant here, as Ibn Kathir rahimahullah says, purify means that he purifies the ummah, the sahaba, those that Prophet was speaking to, he purifies them from all bad character traits. If somebody is too greedy, if somebody gets too angry, what did the Prophet said? Somebody came to him and said, please give me some advice. He said, la taghdab. Don't get angry. He said some more. He said it to him three times. Maybe he knew he had an anger problem. He said, don't get angry. Don't get angry. Don't get angry. Now, if somebody says that to you three times like that, it's probably going to stay with you. And hopefully it will benefit. Right? So, the, that's the job of the Prophet ﷺ to protect, uh, to purify people. And that is our job with our children. To purify them from bad character, from taking on bad character. And from all other low, lowly character traits like greed and selfishness and so on. And all aspects of ignorance and deviance. And to take them out of the light, take them out of the darkness to light. That's our job just like the Prophet ﷺ did with the Ummah. Now, let's move on. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Kahf, I'm going to try to get all the verses about children. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Kahf, Al-Malu wal-Banuna Zinatul Hayatid Dunya. Wealth and your children, wealth and children, they are your embellishment and adornment of this worldly life. When you have children, you feel like, ask, I mean, it's because most people have children, they appreciate their children, of course. But you see the comparison with somebody who cannot have children and they go from one hospital to the other. And they go from one specialist to the other. And they go from one therapy to the other. I've had two questions for Ramadan. Are we allowed to have our IVF treatment in Ramadan? So many people are having this. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy. That's why if you have children, 
it's a source of adornment. Just like having money is a sense of adornment. It gives you that strength. That's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. That's why it's supposed your children and your wealth are supposed to be your adornment. What beautifies you. So again, this is telling us that you better have children who are good, who do not put you to shame, who, well, if they put you to shame, it's because you made them put you to shame. I'll, I'll talk about that a bit. A lot of people, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about that in a bit. So the idea is that your children should be adornment, beautification for you. And the only way that's going to happen is if you beautify them. You beautify something first. And then it becomes a... So you get a very nice uh, phone, nice jacket, nice jubba, nice glasses, nice shoes, nice jumper, whatever. And then you put it on to beautify yourself. But if you don't pick a beautiful one, it's not going to beautify you. Right? So the same kind of thing here is mentioned. Thereafter that, another verse in Surah At-Tur. Now this isn't in any kind of organization. Because it's verses of the Quran, they're not all together. Surah At-Tur now, right? In the 27th Supara, Juz. Ayah 21, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَاتَّبَعَتْهُمْ ذُرِّيَّتُهُمْ بِإِيمَانٍ أَلْحَقْنَا بِهِمْ ذُرِّيَّتَهُمْ وَمَا أَلَتْنَاهُمْ مِنْ عَمَلِهِمْ مِنْ شَيْءٍ كُلُّ مْرِئٍ بِمَا كَسَبَ رَهِينٍ Those people who believe, Inshallah, the believers and whose progeny, children, grandchildren, have followed them in Iman. May Allah keep this faith within our progeny until the day of judgment. Whoever, those who believed and whose progeny has followed them in Iman, we will join their progenies with them. We won't take away from any of their actions. Well, basically, the idea here is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that just in case our children or grandchildren or somebody maybe of a slightly lower category in paradise, if we've done our best, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, those who truly believe, what Allah will do is He will have them upgraded. So the parents bought tickets in business class right and the children they got them to be in coach class in normal class there's a big difference in price two thousand pound a ticket and three hundred pound a ticket so they saw this is this is really weird i mean your children are going to feel a bit they're all teenagers they're not children children so then mashallah the airline upgraded you subhanallah it's like that you got it for free so that's kind of what this is saying that if you have iman and you've done the right thing, then Allah will inshallah upgrade your children even if there's a mistake that was made and they don't attain. As long as they're in paradise, make sure they get to paradise. Imam Ghazali, rahmatullahi alayhi. Now I said I'm going to mention just from the Quran, but Imam Ghazali rounds this off. And I thought this was really useful. He says, As-sabiyyu amanatun inda walidayh. An infant, a little child when it's born, is a trust in the hands of his parents. وَقَلْبُهُ الطَّاهِرُ SubhanAllah, when a child is born, the child is innocent, pure heart. Every child is born with a pure heart on the fitrah, right? Is جَوْهَرَةٌ نَفِيسَةٌ It's 
an, a very valuable pearl. خَالِيَةٌ عَنْ كُلِّ نَكْشٍ وَسُورَةٍ It's a pearl or a gem that doesn't have any inscription on it or any design in it yet. It doesn't have any form, any particular uh, picture or form in it. But وَهُوَ قَابِلٌ لِكُلِّ نَكْشٍ It can take on any form. Because you know when you get a gem, you can then cut it into whatever you want. You can make it round for your ring. You can make it into a diamond shape. You can make it whatever shape you want. Right? It has the ability to be it has the ability to incline towards any direction that it's somebody's gonna pull it. So if it's made, if it's given the habit of goodness, then that is what it will grow up on. That is the direction it will take. And if the parents do this well, the, the parents will become fortunate ones both in this world and in the hereafter. They'll be happy both in this world and the hereafter because the, one of the best things you can have is, Allah, uh, uh, is قُرَّةُ عَيْنِ Your child be the gladness of your eyes. You look at your children and they make you happy. MashaAllah. Not just that they look handsome, <laughs> but they do handsome things. MashaAllah, that's the achievement of my child. He's become half his, he comes first in class, works very hard, wakes up himself and subhanallah one of the best is he makes salat on time Rabbi, what if you want your children to make salat and be of them one very powerful dua is in the quran as well rabbi ja'alna muqima salati wa min dhurriyyatina just keep repeating that in every of your duas rabbi ja'alna muqima salati wa min dhurriyyatina rabbana wa taqabbal dua oh allah make us of those who establish the prayer and from our progeny, you'll see the barakah of that. You'll see the barakah of that. If your child can pray when you're not looking, like for example at school, that means you're onto something. If they come back from school and say, did you pray? And they say, you know, today I couldn't pray. I couldn't find a place to pray. Then you're supposed to be happy with that. Because he could have easily said to you, I prayed. But if they can come home and say, I did not pray because I couldn't find a space or I didn't have time in my break, then be happy. They may have not prayed, but at least they did not lie to you. That means there's a hope that they want to pray. May Allah give us children like that. Okay, then he says, However, if this child is allowed to be habituated to evil ideas and evil behavior, and he is left like weeds, he didn't say that. Ihmal al-Baha'im. He says he's left just like animals are allowed to just graze how they want. Shaqiya wa halak. He will become wretched and he'll be destroyed. And the sin of that will be on the one who is looking after him, who's supposed to be responsible, which is the parent. Imam Ghazali always gives these really simple examples. He said, just like a body, when it's created, like right now, we are all at this height and size. We grew up very small, maybe, I don't know, a foot, right, in length. Uh, what is it? Five kilos, uh, what did it, how many kilos are they? Two and a half, three and a half, how many kilos are babies? I don't ask these questions, so. How many kilos are babies generally? What's the average? Seven pounds. Huh? Seven pounds. How many kilos is that? About three kilos? About three kilos, right? It's a very heavy baby, they said. You know, ten pound baby. 
So may Allah give us healthy babies, healthy, healthy children. So he said, just like that, the child is small. When you look at it, subhanAllah, look at those fingers. Look at those tiny nails. You have to feed it. Feed it milk and food for it to become stronger and the body grows. That's what you need. They need to drink. They need to eat. Likewise is the soul of every human being. It's created incomplete. Right? It's free. It's open. The nafs, it's open. And it has the possibility of, uh, of gaining perfection. And it can only gain perfection through tarbiyah, he says. This is where the tarbiyah comes in. The tarbiyah, alhamdulillah, most people will do tarbiyah of their children in terms of feeding them the right foods, forcing them to eat. But the tarbiyah is also of the soul and the heart, which is more important than the other one. Equally and more important. And so teaching them good character and teaching them knowledge. And when you don't have that knowledge, then having others... Uh, to teach them now let's move on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about in Surah Al-Furqan Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says another verse about this وَالَّذِينَ يَقُولُونَ رَبَّنَا هَبْلَنَا مِنْ أَزْوَاجِنَا وَذُرِّيَّاتِنَا قُرَّةَ أَعْيُنْ وَجَعَلْنَا لِلْمُتَّقِينَ إِمَامًا this is the other dua that you should have on your lips all the time, along with Rabbi Jalna Muqim as Salati Omin These two are magical duas. This one, specifically even for not just your children and progeny, but for your spouse as well. So the wife can read it for the husband, husband can read it for the wife. What does it mean? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is describing Surah Al Furqan, the true servants of Allah. And the true servants of Allah, they are the ones who say, Allah says, our Lord grant us from our spouses and our progeny, meaning our children and children and children, those that are the glad, that those that are the joy of our eyes. When we look at them, they will comfort our eyes, and make us leaders of the righteous ones. This is a, the ulama say that this is such a magical du'a that if you have problems with your spouse or maybe even your children. And you read this dua and you do the right things, Allah will remove those problems from your spouse or your children. If there's something that really bothers you about your wife or for the wife's the husband, you read this dua and you try your best, either that thing will be removed from them, that bad habit, like if they keep leaving their socks all over the place, they'll stop doing that. Or it will be something that will not bother you anymore about them. Allah will make it pale in your significance. This is the verse from the Quran. This refers to... And now, look what Allah says here. He doesn't say awlad, which means just children. He actually says dhurriya. Dhurriya means your progeny. Everybody that's going to come from you until the day of judgment. Have you ever thought that far? Have you, I sometimes think that what will my great, 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 great granddaughter and grandson be? What, where, what will they be doing? Where will they be living? What are they going to be doing? I feel a responsibility. I'm not joking. I feel a responsibility. Because when you see the craziness outside and the challenges and the fitna outside, you wonder, you know, we can do while we're here. What's going to happen? But they say that your sadaqat, our good deeds and our du'as will inshallah penetrate down to the day of judgment. 
Allah keep them all right. Right? And that's why, subhanAllah, there are some families, there's just some goodness about the person. It's like, why? And you find out that they had some righteous people in their ancestry. Now, you, we might not have any righteous people up there that we can trace. Why don't we be that righteous person for the rest for going down? Have you ever thought that, have you ever uh, considered how powerful you are? That you're going to leave a generation. You're starting your day, not your brother's children, not your sister's children, not your cousin's children, your own children. That's something to really think about. It's a major responsibility to set the scene for that. Again, I'm just going to bring in a few statements. Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah, another one of the great scholars, he says, وَكَمْ مِمَّنْ أَشْقَى وَلَدَهُ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ How many people there are who turn their children, pieces of their own liver, into the wretched ones, into the most wretched beings, both in this world and in the hereafter. Now listen to this carefully. How? بِإِهْمَالِهِ وَتَرْكِ تَأْذِيبِهِ وَإِعَانَتِهِ عَلَى شَهْوَاتِهِ By neg negligence, not taking care of them, constantly working, Ubering, on the computer, on the phone, whatever, and letting them be on their phone. If your children are holed up in their room for most of the time and they don't like to be with the rest of the family, you've probably got a problem. Think about this. If you've got a child who loves to just be in their room, unless they're on a musalla doing ibadat, right? If they just want to be in their room on some phone or some gimmick or whatever, and they don't like to be with the family, you have to force them to come, you've probably got a problem. And I don't mean a problem of just fitna in that case, but there are nowadays, unfortunately, there are children committing suicide. Because they've got no communication with their own families to talk to them about their issues. They may be bu being bullied at school, they don't know. They may have some other issues, but they don't, there's no open dialogue with the parents. So, because of that, they've got nobody to turn to. So, some of them are seeking things on Twitter and Facebook. But there's nobody to help there because everything's a joke on there sometimes. So, there's children who take their own lives because of that. That's why it's very important to have that. He says, either by neglecting them, or by not doing their tarbiyah properly, or by assisting them in their, assisting, assisting them in their desires. And a lot of, if the parents are not on the same wavelength, there's a problem between husband and wife, father and mother. Generally what happens is, one of them becomes the good cop, and the other one becomes the bad cop. So what? Well, they don't want to be bad cop. One has concern. So they say, no, pray. You know, you can't go out with your friends. You can't have a phone. And there's the other side, the other one, whoever it is. It's the mother sometimes, sometimes the father. No, no, let him have a phone. He's seven years old, let him have a phone. Because he's trying to attract him on the side. Because, you know, if there's a divorce, then the child will want to stay with that parent. And that's destroying the children. So if you... There's one child, if you... It said, uh, she, she said that um, she complained about her parents when she's older now. They bought me everything. Anything I needed, they bought me. The most expensive gifts or toys, they bought me. But they never gave me time. That, just buying them everything doesn't help. That's, there's no tarbiyah in just buying everything for your children. But then to be stingy is obviously not good either. 
So there needs to be a balance of what's good and what's bad. You wouldn't buy your five-year-old or seven-year-old a phone, even if they want it. It's just not right. They're crying every day, phone, phone, phone. You're just not going to get it because it's not right. When they get older, at the right age, then you can get them one. So this is what he says. And he says, Whereas parents think that by doing this, letting them just play around and letting them, buying them whatever they want and assisting them in that regard, they think that they're honoring their children, whereas they're actually humiliating and degrading their children. They think they're having mercy on them, where they're oppressing them. فَفَاتَهُ إِنْتِفَاعُهُ بِوَلَدِهِ He has now, he's not going to benefit from his children of getting any reward for doing tarbiyah of his children. And he's also going to spoil the child's position in this world and in the hereafter. And then he says the final point, which is the most important point. He says, وَإِذَا اعْتُبِرَتِ الْفَسَادُ فِي الْأَوْلَادِ رَأَيْتَ عَامَّتَهُ مِنْ قِبَلِ الْآبَاءِ he says, whenever you see children going wrong and children being spoilt and children being messed up, you'll see that the majority reason and cause for this are the parents. At the end of the day, the parents have to take responsibility. You know, it's very difficult for a parent to say, it wasn't my fault. Yes, there are certain cases where the parents did everything and just something went wrong. Understandable. But in most cases, the parents, we as parents, have to take responsibility. It is our responsibility. And whatever happens, either we were too strict or we were too lax. It could be anything. So, that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Tahreem, Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanu, qu anfusakum wa ahlikum nara, wa quuduhan nasu wal hijaratu alayha malaikatun ghilaadun shidaadun la ya'asoon Allah, la ya'asoon Allah ma amarahum wa yaf'aloon ma yu'maroon. You've heard this verse. It's a very famous verse. Verse 6 of Surah Al-Tahreem. O people who believe, protect yourself. Cover yourself, protect yourself and your families, that's your spouses and your children, from the fire. From the fire whose fuel is people and stones and there's very severe uh, angels who are standing guard. And they are such angels that they do not disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the least and they do exactly what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants. So protect Yourselves and your children from ending up in the hellfire. So what we're going to look at now is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala discusses the righteous people. That includes prophets and others in the Quran. And we're going to be discussing the parents and the children relationship in terms of that. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talking about parent-children relationship. Allah speaks about Ibrahim alayhi salam, Ismail alayhi salam, Yaqub alayhi salam and Luqman. Hakim alayhi salam and others. So for example, let's look at Ibrahim alayhi salam first. So in Surah Al-Safat, verse 100, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about Ibrahim alayhi salam, Rabbi habli min as-salihin, my Lord grant me from the righteous ones. So if you've never asked, if you're having children or intend to have children, you've never asked for good children, then that's a major oversight. What makes our children good or bad is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there's a huge assistance that's required. Right? And the ease that has to be created for that. There's some children 
they're just physically very difficult. Some children are very stubborn. Some children are very active. You can't sit for a moment. They'll keep you on your feet. I've got a friend who's got a few daughters and then he got a son. And the few daughters are fine. But the son is a good kid, but he just can't sit still. He just can't sit still. You have to be constantly on him that he doesn't pull out stuff and throw stuff. and just very active. It's just, that's the nature Allah created him on. That's your, that's your trial. And your patience on that will inshallah help. Uh, will, will, get, will give you closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it'll be sabr, patience. Some people are smiling where they like that or something. And it's not that the child is being evil or something. It's just, just very active. Can't sit still. And the brother, the sister's fine. And sometimes you have two brothers. One is very active, the other one is quite slow. One is very inquisitive, and the other one is happy-go-lucky. I know, two, I know twins. One is just happy-go-lucky. Like no care in the world. And the other one is very inquisitive. To the level he gets bothersome sometimes. What is this? What is that? Why are you doing this? But, you know, both of these have their own qualities. So, uh, how did that happen? They're twins. The same food the parents have eaten. Right? It's the same thing that they've done, but they've got to. This is up to Allah what He gives us. That's why, if this dua can be accepted, Rabbi Habli Min as our Lord grant us of the righteous ones. So now, Ibrahim Alayhisam's dua was accepted. And when it was accepted, he was given Ismail salam. He was given Ishaq salam. And of course then he did their tarbiyah, which means he nurtured them in the best of ways. And mashallah then they grew in the best of ways, like the most beautiful flower and the most beautiful crops. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala kept pretty much all the prophets that came after Ibrahim salam. Was, is in his, in, were in his children. So every single prophet after him, was they're all capable of being prophets in that sense, that the prophets all came in his children, mostly through Ishaq salam, and then the best of prophets came through Ismail salam, his son, his great-grandson, Muhammad wasallam. Thereafter that, you get this understanding of the tarbiyah that Ibrahim salam had done. This is not just a claim we're making. You understand this from an interaction. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Safat, verse 102. Young child still. Ismail salam, Ibrahim salam starts seeing these dreams. Now imagine you start seeing a dream that you're sacrificing your son. Right? That's not an easy dream. He obviously tried to ignore it once or twice, but then it became that no, this is serious. Prophet's dreams are wahi and revelation. So rather than just take his son by just saying, here, let, let's go on an outing, let's go on a picnic and grab him and try to sacrifice him, he actually talked to his son about it. Now this son is, how old is he? You hear this every Eid al-Adha. He's very young. He's, uh, what was he, 12, 13 or something like this? Or maybe younger. So, 
He said, my son, oh my son, I've seen in this dream that I am sacrificing you. What do you think? What do you see? Taking a major decision like that, would you even consult your children of that age? Now this makes them feel important, obviously. Now this son, he says, What do you think? My father, do whatever you've been commanded. You're going to find me totally submissive. You're going to find me from the Sabirin. That's the nurture that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had allowed Ibrahim to do with his children. And that's the power of the dua he'd made. Rabbi habli That's why I've always thought about this. That having successful children starts before you even get married. Having successful children starts before marriage. Now if you're marrying for the wrong reason, then may Allah help you. What I mean by marrying for wrong reason means marriage is always right, inshallah. Right? Marriage, marriage is sunnah and halal, but in who you're marrying. If you're marrying just based on superficial ideas, just like look or money or something like that, and not thinking of the long-term overall, the overall package. Remember, you don't buy a phone for just how the screen looks. It's got a bad GPS, it's got bad memory, what's the point? Oh, it looks sleek. <laughs> You're not going to enjoy that phone for a long time. Oh, this car, it has massage chairs, but performance-wise it's messed up. It's really good and everything, it has all of these gimmicks, it has all of these things, but when there's a problem, then it costs a lot of money. You need the package, you need the whole package, and that's where marriage begins. You need to dua and get married to the right person. Okay. Find the right package to find. And then the dua continues because Allah is the one who, like I said, the twins are totally two separate. Right? So it's up to Allah who gives. If that's why if Allah gives you children and allows you to do their tarbiyah and you can be happy with them, it is something to thank Allah for. Because there are so many parents who whose hearts are burnt. They're constantly crying in the nights. They are not enjoying their life. Your life will become misery. Just because you made some mistakes. May Allah reform. So subhanallah, look at that. Now that's Ismail salam's tarbiyah. Now Ismail salam, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about him in Surah Maryam. Ismail salam now. He's older now. He's having children. وَكَانَ يَأْمُرُ أَهْلَهُ بِالصَّلَاةِ وَالزَّكَاةِ He used to command his family and instruct them to do salat and to do zakat. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us that interaction with Ibrahim, Ismail now. Ibrahim set the scene. So now he's telling them to make salat and zakat. Why does Allah mention those two things from every other thing that he could have commanded them to do and did command them to do? Because salat and zakat are very important in the whole tarbiyah process. Salat and zakat are not just actions. Salat is not just a few rakats bang on the, you know, putting the forehead on the floor a few times. This is the problem. Many of us, when we teach our children salat, or the way we've been taught salat, is just that it's an obligation of doing rakats that must have this, this, and this, and you can't speak and look around and so on. The ruh of the salat, the spirit of the salat, what is that? what the Salat is supposed to provide you. We don't hear about that often enough. That's not what is taught, unfortunately. The, the batin of the Salat, the, the inside aspect of the Salat. So, 
what salat is supposed to teach us is what Allah says in the Quran. Salat prevents from immorality, unchastity, and from the wrongs. Then zakat, the purpose is not the hay. You tell them zakat, as I mentioned yesterday, zakat is the dirt that could creep into our wealth. Uh, because we acquire wealth from different sources. Maybe from our employer, from a salary, from a gift, from business. Now, that money that's coming in could be from all sorts of ways. And today, I mean, how do you avoid usurious money? Somebody somewhere has taken uh, money on usury or whatever the case is. So that comes to us. So Allah says 2.5% keep getting rid of. That's purification for you. And He purifies you to zakki Him. That He also provides purity for the human being from their sins. Not just from their sins, it removes uh, greed and stinginess. That's what zakat is for. It also removes your stinginess. It also is compassion for the poor. It's an assistance for people who are in need. It creates harmony and balance in the world. If all the wealthy people in the world that have more than the nisab were to just give zakat, there would be no poor people in the world left. Everybody would have enough because that's Allah has, seems to have allotted enough wealth in the world to go around. But the problem is that it gets concentrated in the few and they don't give enough. So if the zakat can be given just one fortieth, that's enough to sort out the other part. To at least give them a sufficient amount. And this has actually been shown by Umar ibn Abdul Aziz in North Africa, which was under Islamic rule during his time, that eventually, just within four years, just within four years, there was nobody that could, was eligible to accept zakat. Because everybody just had enough. They weren't wealthy necessarily, like overly wealthy, but they had enough to get through. So they couldn't accept zakat anymore. So this is all that's told about them. When we're taking out our zakat in Ramadan or whenever we're doing, let's tell our children about that. That this is why we do it. So they learn when it comes to their time for zakat as well. And they take an interest in these things. The, the zakat helps the wealth to become halal. There's a barakah that it creates. And of course, any child, this is another aspect of zakat, that any child who is brought up on halal wealth is going to do better than a child that's brought up on haram wealth or tainted wealth or doubtful wealth. Has a major impact. Has a major impact. Um, the other thing is for your children, you should spend behind them, especially for their deen. I don't know why people would argue that the fees are too much for madrasa. Um, I was a principal once and the fees weren't too much. They were peanuts compared to what people would pay for tuition for their school. And yet you had some parents, few, very few, they would no pay, they're not paying. So I said, look, why can't you pay? We don't have enough money. I said, that's fine. I'll get you zakat money. So you got very, very insulted. You're telling me zakat? I said, well, you're saying you can't pay even your children's fees of around 25 pound a week. So you must be poor then eligible for zakat. Bismillah, that's what zakat is for. What else do you do? Then he calmed down. Because he realized the absurdity of the claim. Like, go and argue with the schools. Go and argue with the tuitions. But believe me, fee sabilillah money, it will never go to waste. I know one student in Darulum, in our madrasa. Most students used to pay half fees or no fees. 
Hafiz. Because most, this was, I'm talking about 30 years ago, now it's a bit different. People didn't have as much wealth in those days. And the madrasas from the tradition, from in, still like that in India and Pakistan, mostly in Bangladesh, most students are, on, uh, are poor. Right? That's who goes to the madrasa majority. So that's why they run the madrasa on zakat, by uh, taking that for the students and then spending that. So now in England, in the beginning, I think there were a lot of places where the parents could not pay £2,000 a year. Nowadays, 2000 is not that much, but 25, 30 years ago, £2,000 was quite a bit of money. So I remember most of the students used to get half fees or whatever. I know one student, his father used to always insist on paying full fees. Then his father became ill uh, for about two, three years. So he went to the office to say that, can we pay half fees because my father is not making money because he's ill. So he wasn't working properly. So he said, they said, yes, of course, you know. Uh, he told his father, but his father still later insisted on paying the full fees. There's a barakah in fee sabirillah. This is in the path of Allah. You're, you're, I mean, I don't want to go into um, all the other, like how much people pay teachers to teach their children. All that. I don't want to open that door up. But that's another discussion. But definitely you should pay uh, whatever is required and more. Because there's barakah in that. Allah will see you spend in the path of Allah. Allah will see you spend for your teachers, for the masjid, for whatever it is that is providing that institution, the academy or whatever the institution is. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give. And the last point, subhanAllah, our time is over all the time. Ya'qub alayhi salam. Now let's look at Ya'qub alayhi salam. He's on his last breaths. Ya'qub alayhi salam is on his last breath. And Allah says in Surah Al-Baqarah 133, أَمْ كُنْتُمْ شُهَدَاءَ إِذْ حَضَرَ يَعْقُوبَ الْمَوْتِ إِذْ قَالَ لِبَنِيهِ مَا تَعْبُدُونَ مِنْ بَعْدِي قَالُوا نَعْبُدُ إِلَهَكَ وَإِلَهَ آبَائِكَ إِبْرَاهِيمَ وَإِسْمَاعِيلَ وَإِسْحَاقَ إِلَهًا وَاحِدًا وَنَحْنُ لَهُ مُسْلِمُونَ He's on his last breaths and he says Were you a witness when mot and death is present in front of Ya'qub and he says to his children what are you going to worship after me? he's concerned the, the Tawheed and oneness of Allah must be their Iman they said we will worship your Lord and the Lord of your forefathers Ibrahim and Ismail and Ishaq one Lord and we are submitting to him imagine his happiness and how he died imagine his happiness as hearing that from his children so the other point here, I mean, there's so much we can open up from here, we just don't have the time, is the concern he has, he's not saying, how are you going to spend the money? Am I leaving you wealth? How are you going to do this? How are you going to do that? He's worried about the wasiyat he's doing is about his iman, is about their iman. Because at the end of the day, if you want to meet them in Jannah, if you want to meet your children in Jannah, then make sure that you've given them scope to remain Muslim. To remain believers you can leave them all the money in the world and everything but if they lose their faith or your grandchildren lose their faith because you've not taught your children well enough i've seen a lot of time the parents are slack with the, they're good with themselves but they're slack with their children the grandchildren are even worse because the children don't their children don't have enough that importance and emphasis if you want to meet them in paradise and you expect to go to paradise well uh, prepare for it May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy. I hope this was very short, but the very profound from the Quran. This is Quranic 
injunctions on tarbiyatul awlad, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to do this fully and follow in the footsteps of these salihin and these righteous and Allah make it easy for us. Allah remove this the fitna out there. Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam mutabarak ya dal jalali wa ikram. Allahumma salli wa sallim ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ali Sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallim. Ya Allah, bless us in this month of Ramadan. Oh Allah, bless us in every way there is. Bless us with our children, with our progenies. Oh Allah, with our health. Oh Allah, with everything that we have, remove this pandemic from us. Oh Allah, protect us and our children, grandchildren, progeny until the day of judgment. And oh Allah, make all of them such that they become the coolness of our eyes and that we unite in Jannatul Firdaus. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun wa salamun al mursaleen walhamdulillah. Jazakallah khair for listening. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you. And if you're finding this useful, you know, um, as they say, do that like button and subscribe button and forward it on to others. Jazakallah khair and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.